0: This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for Radio and now in its 24th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Major automaker has just announced an exciting cross between a compact SUV and a pickup truck. And I was there for the global debut, so I'll be sharing what I learned there. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Hi, I'm Jack Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris, how are you doing?
1: Well, I'm doing quite well today, Jack, enjoying some nice weather and getting some work done. How about you?
0: Yeah, very good. I, you know, this is my uh, first assignment of the day. Uh, we're recording this fairly early in the morning on, in Southern California. You're in the in the late morning there in Maine, but uh, we're doing the show cross country as we typically do, and it's it seeming to work out well. So uh, I'm glad things are going well in Maine, and spring is springing up for around you, I guess.
1: Yes, it's always fun to wake you up early in the morning for a podcast. But yeah, spring is here. Yeah. Well,
0: we'll see how. Uh, Able to do this, I am. I am probably okay. We'll see. Uh, you you can be the judge. Uh, this week, our special guest is Mike Darrow. He is president and CEO of TrueCar, and uh, they're of course an auto information and buying site. They've improved what they've been doing uh, over the last uh, several months. They're changing things around a little bit, and we'll talk with Mike about that. Uh, great resource, TrueCar. In the road test segment, Chris will take a detailed look at the 2021 Ford Bronco Sport. Uh, any uh, little hint as to how your review is going to go, Chris? My
1: opinion changed about halfway through the week for the better. I'll, I'll leave it there.
0: Okay. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so I, I want to hear that. And I think <laughs> others will want to hear that too. I'll be talking about the Acura MDX. It's a 2022 model uh, sitting in my driveway right now. Uh, one of America's most popular luxury three-row vehicles, all new for 2022 And so uh, we'll take a deep dive into that. But before we do any of that, uh, we'll get into the automotive news from this week. And one big piece of automotive news uh, I was on on the ground for. I was on the ground in Tucson, Arizona, uh, actually driving the Hyundai Tucson uh, as part of a, a large press contingent when Hyundai showed us the brand new Santa Cruz compact pickup truck. Although I'm not certain that's exactly the way to describe it. It's one of those vehicles that really doesn't have uh, a proper moniker, as they say. You know, you can describe something as a compact sport utility or a compact truck or a mid-sized truck or a sedan or whatever. This is a cross between several things. It's really kind of a cross between uh, a, a compact sport utility, the Tucson, and a pickup truck. It has an open pickup truck bed. It has a uh, five-seat interior. And then it's got kind of swoopy styling. Uh, you could say kind of sports sedan or even sports coupe kind of styling. So um, just a lot going on there. What's what's your first take on that whole thing?
1: I actually like the styling. So I think that, you know, bringing a truck into the the kind of car world with the styling, you know, uh, the, the Ridgeline from Honda did it for a long time. Now it's kind of moving more towards truck styling with its newer updates. But the Santa... Santa Cruz, is that right? Um, yeah, Santa Cruz. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, is, is very stylish. And I think, you know, it might, at least I hope it will start to make people realize that you don't need a gigantic truck to get truck things done.
0: I'm old enough to remember the, uh, the first just flush of uh, Japanese, small Japanese pickup trucks in uh, the United States and through the 1970s and deeply into the 80s those vehicles were very, very popular. We, we see actually kind of the remnants of that in the uh, Nissan Frontier and the Toyota Tacoma. Uh, Mazda used to sell a, a, B20, a B2000 and then 2300 pickup truck. There were a lot of pickup trucks, smaller pickup trucks than what we see now. The ones we see now are mostly midsize. So I think there is a Is room for this. Of course, this is a four-door that will also hold five people. Uh, The pickup truck bed isn't all that big. It's only 48 inches long or something around there. Um, They tell me it will indeed hold a four-by-eight sheet of plywood. But um, in some ways, there's a a little bit of uh, Chevy El Camino and uh, Ford uh, Ranchero in this thing as well. It's kind of car-like. It's just an interesting mashup, I think.
1: Yeah, you know, we're going to see another one of these sort of vehicles from Ford with the Maverick uh, in the coming months here, although the Maverick looks a little bit more like a truck, I guess. But uh, really interesting to see how this ends up selling. I can't wait to see how people react to it.
0: Well, and uh, powertrains are interesting. Uh, And I was kind of fascinated by the fact that the powertrains are actually different than in the uh, 2022 Tucson on which it's based. Uh, but it will have two four-cylinder powertrains, four-cylinder engines. One of them's turbocharged. You can get as much as 275 horsepower uh, in the Santa Cruz. So that turns something that's essentially the size of, say, a RAV4 or a Tucson into kind of a hot rod. I would imagine that would be a a pretty hot vehicle to drive. And they're pitching this, too, as a vehicle for urbanites. You know, Urban people uh, who want to get out in the country, uh, but also are faced with uh, the realities of living in the city and having to park and having small parking places and no garages and all that. So uh, I think it'll be fascinating, as you say, to see how the Santa Cruz does.
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally buy into the concept and the reasoning behind it. It's all about convincing people or buyers, I guess, that uh, it can do the truck stuff when you want it to, but for every other day, for everyday use, it's. Just as well as a car, just as good as a car.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of times, I think, when an open bed would be useful, right? You have something tall, uh, maybe a piece of furniture, something that won't even go into an SUV, but you could easily drop it down into an open pickup truck bed, even, a, even one that's for only 48 inches long. So any number of things could uh, be done with the, the Santa Cruz. I, I'm really excited to drive it, and I think we will probably do so before the end of the year.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: Well, here's a, a story out of Europe that I thought was uh, fairly interesting. And there is, uh, I guess, more than a rumor. I think it's based on a, a Reuters story about what's going on in terms of the European Union and their regulations regarding uh, automobiles and emissions. And it looks as if they're going to change the way, by they, uh, I mean, European regulators, are going to change the way they look at plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, PHEVs. Up till now, they have been very much in favor of PHEVs. But I think the issue is what they found in the real world. And you know how the real world comes and just slaps us in the face now and then. It's it's certainly done that over the last 18 months or so. But in the real world, people who buy plug-in hybrids Often don't plug them in. And because they don't plug them in, because it's inconvenient or this and that, they don't use them in electric only mode very much, or certainly less often than the regulators would like them to do. And thus, they're actually spewing more carbon dioxide and nitrous oxides than conventional cars and trucks. And that's because they're heavier and they're not particularly efficient when they're operated as essentially gasoline-powered vehicles. What do you think about that whole brouhaha?
1: Yeah, you know, every PHEV I've tested, and it's been probably five or six now in the past couple of years, uh, came to me with a full battery and then stopping about halfway through the week to fill out the battery. I mean, it's something that I could see a lot of people uh, just missing. And anecdotally, I know a few people who have owned or do own plugins uh, and just don't do it. I mean, I think that uh, it's an inconvenience for for people. And you kind of have that You have the good feeling or the good sentiment when you buy the car, but that kind of fades after the honeymoon period's over with.
0: Yeah, I I think they changed the regulations in China, for example. China, I know, is not in Europe. We're just making that clear that I know that. I think all our listeners know that, too. Uh, But they have moved away from uh, plug-in hybrids because people just weren't plugging them in. Uh, And they didn't give them the uh, tax breaks and other uh, incentives that um, they were giving to evs and they've gone directly to evs and i i would say when you look at say the chevy volt and the uh, cancellation of that, uh, the volt was essentially a PHEV, a plug-in hybrid to going to the chevrolet bolt a pure ev well that's maybe the way the whole market is going to go
1: yeah i can't blame them you know the, the the step between hybrid or the step between gas and evs is something a lot of people talked about. I think many people are becoming more comfortable with with full-on EVs. Um, I've got one coming next week and just did, you know, I always complain about infrastructure here in Maine, but uh, I did some research on it. It looks like there's some more charging stations being built, so things are getting better even here in the remote Northeast. So um, I'm all for the switch to EVs and skipping over PHEVs, if that's what it takes.
0: Well, there you go, and I hope they get those built by next week so you'll be able to plug in (laughs) over there and, and use that. Well, when we come back, we're going to be road testing some very interesting vehicles. The Ford Bronco Sport, of course, all new for 2021. And Chris has, I think, going to be a fascinating look at that vehicle. And I was driving a 2022 model, the Acura MDX, a three-row luxury SUV. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nierad with you. And stay with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road, Jackie D- Red, with you, along with Chris Teague. And Chris Teague is going to be uh, leading off this road test segment for us, testing and talking about the all-new 2021 Ford Bronco Sport. You had it in your household for the better part of a week, I think, Chris. Tell us all about it.
1: I did. And I think, you know, the lead-in from last segment makes it sound like I'm going to drop a big bomb here. and I don't know that that's going to be the case, but I'll say this just to, to kind of preface everything else. So, Uh, I spent the first three or four days driving the Bronco Sport entirely on the road. Uh, It was just not in the cards for me to get out of the woods and have, have a good time with it. And for the first three or four days, I was driving it and thinking, it's very quiet. It's very comfortable on the road. It's very comfortable inside. It has room for the kids, room in the back for the dog. But I'm sitting there thinking, you know, what is so special about this thing? It's not jumping off the paper at me. The specs aren't amazing. It doesn't perform amazingly on the road until I drove it off into the mud and then that's when things really started to make sense for me and I realized that it's a Bronco and it's meant to go off-road so you kind of waste it keeping it on road but that's when the that's when things really started making sense and lighting up uh, the light bulbs in my my head so that's really just the bombshell here is that uh, you really got to get it off the pavement to appreciate what it's all about. So. I don't know what you think about that before I get into the rest of this, Jack, but that that was my experience.
0: I think that is a brilliant assessment. In fact, when uh, Ford first showed us the Bronco and I had a chance to drive it in their company, you know, along with Ford, the first thing they did was put us off-road for a long period of time. And we didn't drive it on-road very much. Uh, Most of the time we spent with the vehicle was off-road. So I think they were highlighting, as as you would if you were a car company trying to show off your new wares, uh, its best uh, side. And that's off-road. So I'm 100% in agreement.
1: Good. And that's not to say that, it, you know, on-road it's not refined or, or comfortable at all, because as I said, it definitely was. But they sent me, Ford sent me the, the first edition trim. So this was one that the 2000 uh, models were built, and it's sold out. So you can't buy that one now. But it's it's similar uh, in a bit of ways uh, to the Badlands in terms of the, the, the equipment. It's a little bit nicer and has smaller wheels. But uh, in any case, inside... Uh, plenty of legroom up front. This, this one came with the uh, two-liter uh, turbocharged engine. It's 245 horsepower, 275 pound-feet of torque through an eight-speed automatic transmission to all four wheels. Uh, as I said, it's, uh, it's got plenty of power, more than enough grunt to get up and go in town and enough to, uh, to go through uh, a muddy road, a muddy fire road that runs around behind the outside of where I live. So um, plenty of power, very smooth powertrain. Uh, I actually noticed that it felt even smoother off-road in uh, one of the GOAT modes. Uh, I was able to use the uh, the mud, I think it's mud and ruts, uh, goes over anything terrain mode. So uh, quite a bit of fun there. Uh, this particular trim level had a 10-speaker B&O sound system, an 8-inch infotainment screen, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, uh, kind of the standard stuff with Ford uh, sync infotainment. We've talked about how colorful and smooth it is many times. Um, this one has, uh, they call it Navy pier leather interior, uh, not quite as upscale or as plush, I guess, as the, the higher trims of the Ford escape crossover, uh, but still very nice and comfortable inside, uh, power sunroof and some really cool, uh, Bronco sort of Easter eggs, uh, little pictures printed here and there, uh, and some clever lighting features and everything else. So all in all, you know, as I mentioned, it's a small crossover. It's a little bit uh, more boxy and squared off than a Ford Escape, but it's, uh, you really got to get it off-road to appreciate it. Uh, but even if you had to drive it on-road every day, I don't think you'd be disappointed.
0: Yeah. Well, it has a nice compact envelope, right? A, a nice compact footprint. And at the same time, it holds a lot of stuff. And that's... a. a, a really good combination, especially if you're going off-road. It's not a bad combination <laughs> if you live in a city either, uh, but it's a great combination if you're going off-road, and I think it really comes into its own. I would also say, I think they've done a very inventive job with the with the trim levels and putting in the, the right equipment in those trims to, uh, I guess, finish them out for particular types of buyers, and I, I really think they were, they were smart the way they did that.
1: I agree with that, and you know, I was thinking about this too, and you and I may have talked about this before, but the way that Jeep brands its vehicles and the way that it draws in their customers, I think Ford's kind of following that template, and they've done a really good job with branding on the Bronco Sport. You know, you look at the back of it, and the biggest logo back there is is Bronco, Bronco Sport. Ford is a smaller logo off to the side. You get into the vehicle. There's a kicking Bronco on the steering wheel or the rearing Bronco on the steering wheel, and... And graphics, and they've done a really great job with kind of drawing you in to the fact that you bought a Bronco and now you're part of the club. Uh, but then they've also done a the, the lot of clever features, right? So you open the, the lift gate on the, this first edition model has tiltable LED lighting so you can aim at the ground or into the back of the vehicle and, and do a couple of different things. So from a, a few standpoints, I think they've done a really good job with packaging on the vehicle, too.
0: Couldn't agree more, and uh, I can't wait to drive one again. And uh, that's a good sign when <laughs> when you do what we do and we, we're we driving vehicles over and over in uh, you know, a new vehicle every week. To want to get into a vehicle again uh, shows you that uh, you must like it. And I, I certainly like the, the Bronco Sport. Sounds like you did too. Yes. Well, very cool. Well, I was driving a 2022 model. I think we've maybe driven a couple uh, and talked about them on the show, but this is among the first we're talking about. And this is an important one. It's an important one for Honda and Acura, of course, the Acura brand is is part of the whole Honda sphere. And the MDX has always been a sales leader for them. Uh, It's a three-row SUV, fairly large luxury SUV, even larger and more luxurious this time around. They actually skipped the 2021 model year altogether just to gather their forces for 2022. It has some familiar features like the 3.5-liter naturally aspirated V6, That's been with it for a long, long time. But there is a new 10-speed automatic transmission that replaces a 9-speed automatic that wasn't especially (laughs) well-liked by many of us. To put it in context, it competes with the longer uh, of the two Lexus RXs. The RX 350L is one of them. There's also a hybrid version. L refers to longer. It's not actually longer wheelbase, but they are longer and a three-row. Uh, And then there are other vehicles. Uh, The uh, Lincoln Aviator is another one in that uh, sphere. The MDX isn't as large as the traditional uh, truck-based three-row luxury SUVs like the Cadillac Escalade. So um, not a direct competitor, but I think maybe there'll be some cross shops between those. What they have added to this vehicle is not only size, but also luxury. Uh, There was a time when Acura vehicles were very nice, but I wouldn't call them necessarily luxurious. That has changed. They have really upped the level of uh, interior luxury and actually even exterior style. And so it has a very uh, rich looking interior that can hold up to seven. It has an interesting convertible second row where you can pull out the middle seating position and then turn it into a walkthrough, or you can fold down an armrest and essentially get a a console because it's even more than just an armrest folding down, it becomes essentially a console. And they also have flip and fold forward uh, seats that allow fairly easy access into the rear seat. I would not recommend the rear seat for uh, adults for any long period of time. Leg room, I think, is one of the limiting factors back there, but uh, you can certainly carry seven in this vehicle. It's always struck me, and I I want your take on this, Chris, To get an SUV and then only get six seating positions, Uh, you know, you're only getting one more seating position than in the typical sedan uh, when you go that route. What's your feelings about that?
1: Yeah, I think, and my family faced this a couple of years ago. We had a a Honda Pilot with, uh, I think we had seven seats, so we had a a third row. And we, even with two kids, used it once, I think, in the two years that we owned the vehicle. So we downsized uh, to a Subaru Outback. I think there's no reason, from my perspective, unless you just really need to carry a lot of gear to, to suffer the fuel economy and, and handling and all the other sort of detriments that come along with an SUV, if you want to call it that, unless you absolutely need it.
0: Well, you know, with the MDX, what you get is a luxury ride. I wouldn't call it super sporty. Uh, the engine produces 290 horsepower, which is plenty, but uh, not sports car territory. They're actually going to introduce a higher horsepower version, uh, much sportier coming up. Uh, fairly soon, but uh, for the typical family, I think they're going to really enjoy the comfort and the luxury of this vehicle. And I think that's the the niche here, or you know, that's that's where it really stands tall is the interior luxury, what it offers in terms of features. And then I guess I, sh- I should talk about the infotainment system before I sign off on here, and uh, specifically the trackpad style interface for the infotainment and for other controls. And it is, an I would say, an acquired skill. <laughs> it's not something that is particularly intuitive, nor is it something that I would recommend you try to learn as you're driving. Uh, I actually had a lot of difficulty uh, in the learning experience just sitting still, and I decided to do it that way before I went on the road and tried to d- do something with it. I think there's going to be some complaints about it. I think, though, when Uh, a person owns this vehicle, they're going to uh, come to like it and understand it, and it'll work out for them. So I think just a lot to like with this all-new 22 Acura MDX. Great variety of options in terms of uh, how much you're going to spend and what you get for that, and the fact that all-wheel drive is available, and it's a super handling all-wheel drive, S-H-A-W-D, that's torque vectoring, just a lot to like about this vehicle. And I think it's it's a vehicle that's going to uh, resume its place as one of the tops in the the luxury three-row segment. And I
1: think it should be. I I like the last version of the MDX. And you know, even with the trackpad in the RDX, which I assume is similar to the one that you're speaking of in the MDX, uh, I think it'll be a a solid package. And I can't wait to drive one.
0: Yeah. Apparently, the interface has been improved (laughs) since the RDX. And uh, I guess improved is a you, you decide <laughs> <laughs> when something is improved you have to think well why did it need to be improved but I guess we all could use improvement and I'm I'm still on a self-improvement track and you know I'm decades old now so there you go well when we come back and we promise to come back we're going to take some listener questions so be ready for that uh, we're going to try to get ready for that and we'll be right back with you with Chris Teague, Jack Nierad, with you right here on America on the Road Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Christine, Jackie, Red back with you, and it is listener question time. We're happy to take your listener questions. We love to hear them. We love to hear from you, and we thank you so much for being with us. If you like the show, please let others know about us. Uh, pass us along. Uh, we like that, and uh, we'd love to talk to others as well. Chris, I think you probably have a listener question for us. What what might that be?
1: I do, and it's seasonally relevant here. Uh, The weather's starting to change, at least here. I guess some places it never really went away, but uh, spring is upon us, and people are wondering when or if now is a good time to buy a convertible.
0: Well, you know how it is, and I I grew up in Chicago area, and it struck me that we would have a day, maybe a, a warmer day in March or April, and Heaven knows I've had some below zero days in April in the Chicago area, but you'd have a good day, and all of a sudden you'd see a bunch of convertibles out on the street, and it was exciting. And you'd think, wow, you know, spring is coming, and maybe I should think about buying a convertible. It just seems like an exciting thing to do. And I guess it probably is the best time to go about buying one. Uh, maybe the best time for pricing is to buy one in the dead of winter uh, with the idea that when spring comes, you. Uh, Will be able to use that, and you won't be competing with everybody who's also <laughs> thinking the same way you are in the in the middle of spring. So I would say uh, there's a, a couple of good reasons to do it though in springtime, and one is you can actually drive the vehicle with the top down. I wouldn't try that necessarily in in Chicago uh, when it's zero in January, but uh, on a nice spring day, you certainly want to open and close the top in any convertible you buy. Uh, whether it's a vintage convertible or even a modern convertible, you want to see what it's like uh, to drive top down. So I, I guess I'm giving contradictory advice, but I feel somewhat uh, conflicted about this. In terms of pricing, the best time to buy a convertible, I think, is probably in the dead of winter or uh, in the fall when people are thinking, well, I'm, I'm done with this. Uh, but in terms of enjoyment and to be able to test it, I think the spring is a great time. What, what's your take on this question, Chris?
1: Unfortunately, I agree with your with the contradictory statement. If you're looking to save money, yeah, buy one when everyone's starting to to wrap up for the winter. But if you want to get behind the wheel and actually get the experience, it's probably best to do it around now. So uh, I guess it depends on what your goals are. If you can test drive one now and wait until the winner to buy one, maybe that's the best thing to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely true. And you certainly could do that with a new vehicle. Obviously, a used convertible is going to be a, probably <laughs> be sold by the by the time winter comes around, unless you have a special in with the, the owner of that vehicle. But certainly, uh, having a, a convertible, I, I would recommend that everybody drive a convertible at least, uh, you know, several times, maybe not own one necessarily, but if you're on vacation, rent one, spend some time with a convertible. Uh, there's just a lot to like about it. It's, it seems like a kind of throwback thing, I guess these days, but, uh, I think they're very enjoyable.
1: I agree with that. So there you go.
0: Well, here's a question I have for you, Chris. And, um, uh, we talked uh, more than a lot about the uh, Ford Bronco Sport in an earlier segment, and it kind of begged the question on Ford Bronco itself, the big one, you know, the, the namesake uh, that has been promised us, and it always seems like off in the distance a little bit. It's you know, I, I'm I'm running to it's like a dream where you're running toward the the goal, but you never can quite reach it. And uh, I guess the question is this: Should should somebody wait for the Bronco? Is the Bronco Sport going to be sufficient? Are those so different that uh, one doesn't substitute for the other? What, what's your take on this?
1: Well, I think that, that it's probably a, a fair statement to say that one does not substitute for the other. The Bronco Sport, even though I just talked about it being great off-road, is not a full-fledged four-wheeler like the Bronco, the big Bronco is or will be. But I will say that if you can wait and you're you're sold on the big Bronco, then wait. But if you need a vehicle anytime in the next six to eight months, go ahead and get either the Broncos Sport or something else, because you know, we're past quarter one of 2021 at this point in time, well into the year. Uh, Ford still is at least three months, hopefully three months or less, out on the first customer deliveries. And even if you were somehow able to stumble across one on a dealer's lot, you're likely to see uh, some pricing discrepancies there with markups and demand and all that. So, uh, you know, and if you order one now, you're probably going to not get it until 2022. So if you can play the waiting game and you want to wait and you're sold on a Bronco, absolutely. But if you don't need a hardcore off-roader or if you need a vehicle right away, uh, my recommendation is to look somewhere else. But that's not a knock against the Bronco at all. It's just timing.
0: Yeah, I love your euphemism there, Chris. The pricing discrepancies. I think what you're saying is trying to be nice. Yeah, the dealers are going to mark these. uh, You know, the first ones up uh, pretty significantly because there is such a demand for them. And of course, you know, that's absolutely their right, and uh, you know, that's how the free market works. But uh, if somebody, I I couldn't agree with you more that if you were to wait another six months or uh, nine months or a year. Uh, you might find the pricing to be significantly better and you'll get into your Bronco and and probably be be very happy with it. I can't wait to drive one. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of one right now. And every time I look at them, it's like, man, I just wish they would get here so we could drive it.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So that's, that's our listener question segment for this week. Of course, if you want to reach us, just send us a a question to uh, editor at drivingtoday.com. That's editor at drivingtoday.com, of course, our sister website to America on the Road. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be uh, interviewing Mike Darrow. He is the president and CEO of TrueCar, And so we'll talk to him about what's going on new at True Car. They're changing things up, I think, for the better. So we'll talk to him right after the break. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nierad. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road Welcome back everybody to America on the Road. Jackie Red back with you and we have a terrific guest for you right now. Uh, Mike Darrow is the president and CEO of TrueCar. You have undo- undoubtedly heard of TrueCar and we want to bring you up to date on what TrueCar is doing. So Mike, thanks so much for being with us. We, we so much appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jack. It's great to talk to you. Why don't you describe for our listeners? I, I'm sure many of them have seen your national ads. You, you've done a lot of advertising through the years. The brand is out there, but I think there's probably still some people who are not exactly certain about what TrueCar is and what TrueCar does. So can
2: can you walk us through that first? Sure, sure, Jack. So, you know, TrueCar is is what we describe as a, as a modern day marketplace uh, for automotive. Uh, and and we we sit between consumers who are looking to buy a vehicle and retailers, you know, who are in the marketplace of, of selling vehicles to consumers. And, you know, the role we play is we help consumers starting with the discovery process, let them find the vehicle they're looking for. We, they can shop uh, millions of pieces of inventory, both new and used car. Uh, and when they find a vehicle of interest or a, or a short list of vehicles, we have uh, a lot of pricing data to help them understand the price, the transactable price of that vehicle. We also give them relevant market data around that pricing to show that it's, it's fair or excellent pricing. And then just recently, Jack, with the, with the expansion of digital retailing and the, the fact that consumers want to do more of the car purchase process online, we've expanded our capabilities so we now allow a consumer once they've found a vehicle they like to calculate a, a loan or a lease payment you know based on their own individual situation uh, you know are they a lease customer do they typically finance their vehicle do they have a down payment you know those sort of things so that a consumer can actually calculate you know that payment on a vehicle prior to visiting the dealership. And then we've also launched a, a capability for a consumer to get a, a guaranteed cash value for their trade. And, you know, one of the when we would talk to consumers, what they would tell us is one of the most uh, or least understood parts of the, of the purchase process was, you know, how, how does a dealer or someone put a value on their current car? So we've, we've launched a, a tool, uh, a true car trade on our site where consumer gives us their VIN. Uh, or their license plate number and and answers a few questions about their current vehicle, and we can give them a guaranteed cash value uh, for that vehicle uh, prior to visiting the dealership. So, you know, these tools all come together to create uh, transparency for the consumer and to also shorten the process of, you know, consumers don't want to spend four, five, six hours on a Saturday or Sunday sitting in a dealership uh, trying to buy a vehicle, and the, the, the more of the process they can do online uh, before they go into the dealership really really creates efficiency for both the dealer and the consumer um, you know, in that car buying process. So you know, we, we shorten all of that up to, we want to make car buying easy for consumers, and, and we think that starts with transparency around pricing and, and trade valuation for sure.
0: Well true car really helped helped pioneer, I think transparency in in terms of pricing on the on the new car side, certainly uh, that was your your calling card early on and you've now transitioned to the used car side. Tell me a bit about that, Mike, because that's a big important part of the marketplace these days.
2: it is jack and 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 as you mentioned, you know the 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 size of the used car market is is typically three to four times uh, the size of the new car purchases and and, new car pricing have has been going up quite a bit recently with the transition to to trucks and and suvs on the on the new car side you know pricing of new cars is is has has really gotten up there into the you know the latest transaction price i've seen is is over thirty five thousand dollars for a new car uh and i think caused is people are considering uh used cars who many times thought they were were new car buyers so you know, we, we've gone through a couple of iterations of this shift to SUVs uh, and pickup trucks. Many of them are coming back to the marketplace now as good used vehicles. And, you know, our our dealer partners are, are, are excited about their used car business. You know, we oftentimes have over a million, up to a million and a half units of used cars uh, on our site where a consumer can take a look at them understand the condition and the mileage and uh, the price of those vehicles. And they're they're really looking at used cars as a viable alternative to a new car purchase these days.
0: Absolutely true. Well, Mike, uh, and we're talking with Mike Darrow, he is president and CEO of True Car. Walk us through how a consumer that is considering both a new and and a used car, maybe a, a nearly new car, uh, you know, a recent model, a used car, would use Truecar, would access Truecar and, and use the tools that you offer?
2: Well, yeah. And, and, and that's the interesting part of some of the things we've introduced uh, recently, Jack. We know that, you know, 85 to 90% of buyers, new and or used, uh, are, per, are payment buyers, right? You know, about 10% of the market ends up being cash buyers, the rest of the folks who are out there buying are looking for some sort of, of uh, you know, lease or payment option, and we notice a lot of our consumers shopping in that manner. So, you know, they'll they'll look at a new car, they'll build a, a set of vehicles they're considering on the new car side, calculate payments for those vehicles, and then jump over to the used side of the house and, and begin to go through the same process. So, you know, you can you can oftentimes, uh, you know, get an, a series of, of uh, uh, late model used cars uh, and then price shop them against the new car vehicles you were looking at. So, you know, our site allows you to jump back and forth. We know a number of folks, up to 60% of the folks uh, in a recent survey tell us they come to the site not completely decided if they're a new or used car buyer. So we make it, easy for them to go back and forth between new and used cars, find the type of vehicle that meets their needs, and then you know allow them to make sure it fits their budget and, and, and will be a vehicle that uh, makes sense for them.
0: Right. Well, uh, price trans- transparency is certainly one part of it, and understanding what the price is, uh, maybe before you're even in contact with the dealer is pretty valuable to a lot of folks, right? The other part of it is facilitating the deal with the dealer, and I think TrueCar uh, specializes in doing that. Can you talk a bit about that?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, when when uh, a little over a year ago, uh, when the COVID pandemic hit and and dealers were forced. Um, you know, to shut down some of their sales operations and and to really adjust uh, the way they did business throughout 2020, uh, we we worked with our dealers to allow consumers who are in market and and that's the interesting part uh, about our industry, Jack. And you and you know this that there are people every month who need a new vehicle. You know, be that another new vehicle or a used vehicle, maybe their lease is up. Um, you know, they're tired of repairing their old vehicle. So a number of people out there, regardless of what's going on with the economy or last year when we were dealing with the pandemic, need to, to service their vehicle needs and they'll come into to our site and and look for the vehicle that meets those needs. And because dealer operations in the brick and mortar model were limited because of the pandemic, dealers got more and more, Uh, participatory and kind of leaned in with us in creating those shopping experiences on understanding pricing, on understanding the value of the trade that a consumer could do at home to minimize the amount of time that they had to spend uh, in the dealership. And many of our dealers, right after the pandemic, we had over 4,000 of our dealers launch a buy from home program with us. So that a consumer could actually, you know, do the full deal online, uh, and the vehicle would, uh, the dealer would then uh, deliver the vehicle to their home. So, you know, there there was um, a a lot of evolution of our business last year with our retail partners, as you know, the the restrictions were out there on on uh, what could be done in a face-to-face type environment. So it's 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 really advanced the type of tools you can find on our site and the type of uh, activities that a consumer can perform so that if they do end up going into a dealership, they're much more prepared and they can really reduce the amount of time they need to spend there.
0: Uh, And I I wanted to get into that. So thanks for the transition because transparency is certainly one aspect of Uh, consumer desires. They want to know what the pricing is. And it's kind of a murky area for them because they're not used to negotiating on any kind of prices for pretty much anything these days. So uh, buying a car has some scary moments for them that True Car can help uh, get them past. The other thing, though, is The time involved, nobody wants to burn down an entire Saturday in a car dealership. I think that's about the last thing many of us would like to do. And yet that is the the typical process still. Tell tell a bit, uh, our listeners, how TrueCar can help them speed that whole process along.
2: Well, we we think the foundation of that is, and, and, and we see in our research, consumers are spending more and more time online before they go to a dealership. So being prepared, uh, finding the vehicle you're looking for, you know, our, 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 um, our site allows a consumer to actually find a VIN or, a, you know, a series of VINs they're interested in that are sitting at a particular dealership.
0: So those vehicle identification numbers, those are individual cars uh, in the marketplace that are available for purchase, right?
2: That's right. And, and, and we look at a VIN, a VIN is like a social security number uh, for a vehicle. They're individual uh, and they mark that 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 vehicle as unique uh, and, and then carry all the options and equipment that go with that. So, you know, a consumer can find that vehicle on our site, understand the pricing, understand the affordability aspects through payments and get a value for their trade. And when you have that work done ahead of time, you know, the, the next step is to make that smooth transition to the retailer. And you know we facilitate that with an appointment setting process uh, where a, a consumer can reach out to the dealer and actually schedule an appointment. And you know we've we've heard from some of our consumers that you know they've reduced that in-store process down to close to an hour. And, and I think that's everyone's goal is to you know find do much of your work online so that your your time in the store uh, is reduced and efficient and. And listen, the dealers do add value to the process uh, at the point of the, you know, the consumer picking the vehicle up. They can explain to the consumer, you know, how the equipment works and and, and many of these new vehicles have a lot of electronics that, you know, need to be demonstrated and and shown to a consumer. And there's also an opportunity for, you know, the the, the buyer to understand the service department. You know, if it's a new vehicle, oftentimes they're going to go back to the dealership for service. So... You know, we, we think about an hour to complete that transaction is, is, is a is a great target for us all to set in the industry and and, and and is much more efficient for the consumer. And it makes the dealer's business more efficient. You know, it's, it's not you know, the, the salespeople aren't tied up as long and, and they can move uh, to service more customers. So there, there's just a lot of efficiency uh, for both the, the consumer and the retailer that comes out of that research that happens pre-purchase.
0: Uh, there's wins overall, uh, wins all the way around with that. A lot of people access TrueCar by going onto TrueCar.com or using the TrueCar app, and yet a lot, and there are other people who access your service with uh, affinity buying groups. You know, they belong to a particular group, uh, an affinity group, uh, one way or another, and you power a lot of those. Tell us a bit about that, would you, Mike?
2: Yeah, Jack. Thanks for bringing that up, and that's one of the things that really differentiates. Uh, True Car. You know, we have uh, over 250 uh, affinity partnerships. We power nearly 500 different uh, websites with a car buying process. And, you know, we work with some of the biggest brands uh, in the industry, in the world. As a matter of fact, we power auto, uh, American Express, Consumer Reports, Sam's Club, uh, AAA. We most recently added Navy Federal Credit Union. Uh, To our list of partners, Uh, they have over 10 million members and are the largest credit union in the world uh, and are part of our effort to, you know, serve the military community. So, you know, we're out there uh, creating transparency uh, through all these different sites. and, And we find, you know, if someone has a relationship or a membership, there's often an affinity that goes with that and a transfer of trust. And we think we can bring elements to the car buying process and lean into that trust. And, you know, our retail partners uh, love the consumers that we get from from our different channels. And it, and it really differentiates TrueCar uh, from many of our competitors in the marketplace.
0: Right. It, it strikes me there are three T's there, right? There's a transparency, there is trust, and there's time. Uh, and you're helping facilitate uh, the consumer's desires in all three of those areas. So, uh, strong
2: offering. Thank you. Yeah. And, and our affinity, you know, partnerships amount to about 50% of our business. So we, we, we kind of have our roots in that part of the business. Uh, we, we really enjoy the opportunity to support some of these really strong brands and, and, you know, household names for consumers. And we think it's important to take the car, bri- the car buying process uh, to where people spend their time. You know, it gives us an omni-channel opportunity to, to reach consumers. You know, maybe they're on their personal finance site. Maybe they're on uh, one of their membership sites. And, um, you know, they see the opportunity to engage with our buying channel. And uh, we get a lot of positive feedback from consumers uh, on those different channels.
0: Mike, as somebody listening to this and is excited about using TrueCar to buy a new or used car. What's your advice for them quickly?
2: I think my, my advice would be is to take your time and do your research ahead of time. Um, there's a lot of great tools and, and sites out there. We think we're, you know, one of the best as far as helping the consumer find the car they need uh, and really identify the, the key attributes to make sure it meets all the things they're looking for and then get into the affordability aspect of the purchase. Uh, and, and And that's the really important part. I mean, to... Do your homework, be prepared, uh, and then uh, when you get connected to a retailer, we pass all of that information. We're one of the you know, the few sites that when you do work on our site, we pass that work uh, to the retailer so that you don't have to start the deal all over. So, you know, my recommendation would be do your homework and we'll make it easy for you to get in there and buy the vehicle you want. And- you know, people enjoy buying a new or used car. I mean, they really enjoy having it. And the, the buying part of that hasn't been as, as easy and as smooth as we've always liked. And, you know, we think that's come a long way recently. Uh, and, and, and if you do your work and prepare yourself, it can be a, a pretty uh, fulfilling experience.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, TrueCar, of course. We're talking with Mike Darrow, and uh, who is president and CEO of TrueCar. So visit TrueCar.com or pick up the app. I, it's available in the app stores. Uh, Mike, th- thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for all these great tips on car buying.
2: Well, Jack, thanks for having me. It's always great talking to you. And and you know we uh, we, we work hard to to make this process easy. And and we hope the the, the folks who hear this give us a look. And we think we can uh, really create an enjoyable buying experience for them. So thank you.
0: Well, thanks so much for being with us again, Mike. And uh, stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. And that was our interview with Mike Darrow. He's president and CEO of True Car. Obviously, a lot going on at True Car that can help you buy a car at the right price. So a pleasure to talk to him. And of course, it's always a pleasure to talk with Chris Teague, our co-host on the show. Um, just doing what he does in Maine, driving vehicles, evaluating them, just taking a look at the whole automotive industry. Chris, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jack, and thanks everyone for listening. I will say if you like what you heard, go ahead and hit uh, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That will help us continue to grow and hopefully bring more people along for the ride.
0: Absolutely. We'd love to have more people join us, uh, join our crew on America on the Road. We, we'd love that. Also love it if you take a look at my book, The GR Factor, Unleashing the Undeniable Power of the Golden Rule. It is available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all over the place. Uh, check that out if you would. And also check out uh, another podcast that we like. In Wheel Time is uh, done by uh, several really nice guys down in Houston, Texas. Of course, they're nationwide. So look for In Wheel Time out there. And also, if you're in the market for some car insurance, or should be, take a look at Mercury Insurance, who helps sponsor the show. So, for Chris Teague, I'm going to bid you adieu on this edition of America on the Road. I'm Jack Neread. Please join us again next time for another edition of America on the Road. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com.